This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome on in to WIP Daily, August 9th. I'm Tucker Bagley filling in for Joe Giglio, who's currently on vacation and Start today talking about last night's doubleheader, the Phillies splitting with the Nationals at Citizens Bank Park, taking game one, eight to four, losing five, uh, four in the second one and, you know, some some late inning collapse, dramatics, however you want to phrase it. But I thought over the course of those, you know, six hours that the Phillies spent playing against Washington at Citizens Bank Park, it really showed a lot about this team and I know the Nationals aren't necessarily a, a team that's going to be competing to, for a, a spot in October this year or really any year in the future. They're rebuilding. They're a young team. They don't have a ton uh, of top-end talent, but I thought what we saw from the Phillies was a, a really good microcosm of kind of the good and the bad of this team, of what maybe Dave Dombrowski saw as he went into the trade deadline maybe of what this coaching staff in front office thinks this team is capable of as we kind of find ourselves barreling towards the the you know playoff hunt and end October and you you kind of look at where the Phillies are right now in the wild card standings you know they're they're tied with San Francisco right now for the top wild card spot San Francisco losing to Anaheim last night as well so they both sit there at 62 and 52 a game and a half up on Milwaukee, um, who actually has the you know uh, Central Division, so they're actually three games up on Chicago and Cincinnati, who are tied for that that final wild card spot. So, as of now, it, it sure looks like the Phillies are are headed toward the postseason, headed toward October. But I thought some of the things we saw yesterday will kind of kind of showed why this team still has a chance to to, to win the World Series, to, to maybe repeat as National League champions, and. We also saw maybe what could be their Achilles heel, what may you know cause them to, to, to fall short once the calendar turns to fall. And we'll, we'll start with the good, because I, I thought there was more good than bad, and really the good was the offense. Um, you know, they, they put up eight runs in the first game. They put up four in the second game. They've been scoring a lot of runs recently. And not only have they been scoring runs, but they've been hitting home runs, which is something that they really didn't do early in the season, but you kind of look at their offensive output um, uh, since uh, they, they lost that, that walk-off game in, in Miami about a week ago. You know, they scored eight runs, four runs, five runs, nine runs, eight runs, eight runs, four runs. That's a lot better than what they've been doing. And you look at the guys at the top of the lineup, Kyle Schwarber hit two home runs in, in that first game victory yesterday. Bryce Harper 
hit, hit a home run. I think that's his second home run in, in the last three days. So he's finally starting to see the ball and drive the ball. Jake Cave hit a home run. Um, the, the fact that they're finally hitting home runs again, and maybe it is just because it's August, it's hot, the ball's flying out of the ballpark. You know, think back, Bryson Stott's home run um, against Kansas City on Sunday probably doesn't go out. If it's April or October, that, that certainly was a product of it being hitting season. But I think you look at what this offense has been producing and what they've been doing over the last week or so, it's been really good. It's been what you know we've kind of expected from them um, from the start of the season. And you look at where they're at you know, in the National League among a lot of the offensive categories. I mean, they're eighth in home runs. They're second in or they're, they're third in the National League in doubles. They're sixth in batting average. They're sixth in slugging percentage. They've they've been pretty good. But, I mean, this is a team that was built, and maybe it's the, the loss of Reese Hoskins, who we'll get to in a little bit. But you kind of look at where this team is at offensively right now. They're finally kind of starting to hit their stride. Um, Nick Castellanos has kind of bounced back from a terrible, terrible month of July. Brandon Marsh is on the IL, but Johan Rojas... I think has gotten a lot of people excited. His defense in center field is maybe the best we've seen since Shane Victorino. And I don't say that lightly. Shane Victorino, a multi-time gold glove winner. I mean, think about, you know, kind of just the dreck they had in center field between, you know, when Victorino was traded in the middle of 2012 until now. You tell me who the best defensive center fielder was in that time before Brandon Marsh got here. I mean, was it Pete Porges? Like, that, that's kind of what we had to deal with. And now you add in the fact that Christian Pache is also on this 40-man roster, still on the IL. Brandon Marsh, still on the roster, uh, obviously on the 10-day the IL as he recovers from that knee injury. I mean, this team has three defensive center fielders right now who are better than I think anyone that this team has had in, in the last decade. So that's a huge plus. That's huge props to Dave Dombrowski for putting that together. And, and when you have that combination of Marsh and Rojas, or maybe Marsh and Pache, or Pache and Ro- you know, however you kind of want to combine those two, those three, once they're all healthy, I-, I think it could be a huge weapon for this team moving forward, provided Pache and Marsh come back. But back to the offense for a second. I just, what we saw from this team yesterday, the fact that they're grinding out at bats, you know, I mentioned Kyle Schorber. Schorber really struggled for a while, but he was walking a ton. If you go back to the Phillies' last road trip, he he was walking like crazy. And I always feel like with Kyle Schorber, it takes him a little while to get going. But once he does, usually him walking is kind of a a precursor to that. And you kind of look at what he did um, from the end of that Baltimore series really up, um, you know, through last week. He went eight for 56, but he also had 16 walks. So he only hit 200, but his home base percentage was was 430 over that 10-game span. So he he was clearly seeing the ball, was putting together good plate appearances. He he finally was able to break through, and you, you look at what he did yesterday. Only you know he went two for seven with two home runs, but also walked twice in in the second game. So he's really starting to figure it out and and put things together at the top of the lineup. And the guy who I think may be the biggest wild card on this team because he was an MVP candidate before the season started, it's Trey Turner. And a lot has been made about you know the ovations over the weekend. What Trey Turner was able to do, and the way he's played the last couple days, I just think has been huge for this team. And 
You know, I don't think the Phillies need him to play like MVP Trey Turner. You know, I mean, this is a guy who finished in the top five of MVP voting a couple years ago. Um, he, he finished 11th in MVP voting last year. He's gotten MVP votes almost the three of the last four seasons and, you know, won a silver slugger last year in, in Los Angeles. I don't think they need him to hit 328, 330, you know, the, the way he was in his earlier days in Washington when he was winning batting titles. But if he can bump that average up to, to 270, if he can drive the ball to, to all fields the way he did, through much of his career, I, I mean, that, that would be a huge boost for this team. I don't know if he does that, if he'll stay necessarily at the bottom of the lineup, but you kind of look at what he's done for this team. I mean, he had that home run uh, on Saturday, and then he had a double later in that game to, to kind of seal it, but I, I look at yesterday in the, the first game of that doubleheader. He obviously, he, he went one for three. He, he walked as well, and he hit a double in the second game. Uh, didn't come around to score, but then he legged out an infield hit later on. He stole second, and then he scored on kind of a, a soft liner to left field, and that's the kind of weapon that Trey Turner can be for this team, and that's not him hitting 350. That's not him hitting, you know, six home runs like he did in the World Baseball Classic. That's just him playing smart baseball, and that's him utilizing his speed as a weapon, which I don't think we've really seen all that much this year, even though he does have 22 stolen bases. I think if he's capable of doing that, he can move further back up in the order and he can really, really be a weapon for the scene. But you also look at what he's done since he got moved to the seventh spot on July 29th. He's only hitting 205 with an OPS of, of 664, which, you know, isn't great. I mean, that, that's only, you know, a nine game span, 10 game span. But you, you kind of look at what he's done since late last week, since he got the day off. Sitting 368 with an OPS of 1137. That's only over 20 plate appearances. He's seven for his last 19 with four doubles and a home run. But I think what Trey Turner's been able to do over the last week or so is just kind of remind people what he's capable of. And I don't think he's going to be able to do this for the rest of the year on a day-to-day basis. But him being just a part of it and finally seeing some good after months and months and months of strictly bad from Trey Turner, both offensively and defensively, he has 13 errors this year at shortstop. I, I just think it is huge for this team. And once again, he's another weapon who has experience in October. He, he won a World Series with Washington. He obviously played there both years. He was in, in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. I, I think having Trey Turner, kind of think back to what Nick Castellanos was capable of doing. You know, in the NLDS, he had a terrible year. And then he really carried the Phillies offense for a little bit. Um, early on in that series against the Braves. I know we all remember the, the Hoskins home run and everything that, that happened after that. But before that, Nick Castellanos was fantastic in that game. So I think Trey Turner just being capable and being a threat to uh, opposing teams as we move forward is certainly another positive. And then you add in the fact that Ranger Suarez pitched well for his second straight start. I think that's big for a guy who, who looked lost and really struggled for much of July. And the fact that Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott just keep hitting. I mean, these are two young guys who, I think when you look back at the last run this Phillies team had, and I know we talk about Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and Ryan Howard as, you know, the three guys who, I don't know if they'll make the Hall of Fame. Ryan Howard certainly doesn't have a case. But but three guys who were perennial All-Stars who were the leaders of that team. 
I think the X Factors were the guys that Pat Gillick added, you know, later on to that crew, and that that was Jason Worth and, and Shane Victorino, who were younger, who you know maybe batted a little further down the lineup. I think those two guys are just as key. And you kind of look at what they did in the postseason because they were high contact guys. I think they lead the Phillies all time in uh, runs scored and RBIs in you know playoff history, which is you know not exactly an illustrious and star-studded field, considering what the Phillies have done in their history. But the, the fact that those two guys just keep hitting, they're high contact guys. I just think that plays in October. And when you're playing tight series, I think having two guys like that certainly, certainly, um, you know, it, it is a weapon for this team moving forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now on to the bad, and the loss last night, I don't think really dampens the positive energy I feel about this team as we kind of recap over the last week or so, but there are things that worry me, and you know the big thing for me, and I know Zach Wheeler settled in, he was fine, he, he finished with you know six innings, only three runs allowed, but you, you kind of look at how the Phillies won in October last year. We mentioned their, their dominant offense. And the way that they kind of bludgeon teams, um, you know, through much of the the NLDS and the NLCS, but they also won because their frontline starting pitching showed up. And you can also kind of trace they ended up losing the World Series because Aaron Nola kind of fell apart. Zach Wheeler was taken out. Jose Alvarado, as we all remember in Game Six, but kind of look at what Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler have done this year. It hasn't been great. I mean, Zach Wheeler, you look at his fielding, independent pitching, his ERA plus. He's been fine. I think he's seventh right now in Cy Young odds behind a a slew of other guys, which isn't terrible. That's probably, you know, if he turns it on over the last two months, he'll probably parlay that into a a top five or maybe even a top three finish. I don't know if he's capable of overtaking someone like Zach Gallen at the moment, but the fact that he hasn't really been all that sharp um, on a a game-in, game-out basis the way we've seen before, obviously allowed three runs Last night, he had three straight good starts. We lost three runs um, to San Diego in the Phillies 7-6 win. You know, about three or four weeks ago, allowed three runs to start before that. Four runs to, to Washington um, at the beginning of July. I mean, you, you kind of look up and down. It's just sort of been an uneven season for him. And maybe he'll round into shape as October comes around. But you look at, at how the Phillies managed their rotation in October last year. It was based around Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Carrying them. I think those two guys started six of their first eight playoff games. I mean, that that's something that I think if you ask people right now if they would sign up for it, certainly they would. But I don't know if you necessarily have the confidence in those guys being as dominant as they were a year ago, just based on what they've done this season. Certainly, there are viable excuses, whether they're just exhausted from playing a longer season or whatever it may be. You know, I just, it doesn't feel like the Phillies have the, the same frontline starting pitching they did a year ago where you felt confident 
in pretty much any series against any team in the National League, the Phillies' top two starters could comfortably match up um, in, in a shortened series. And that's really what helped them in that wild card series against St. Louis. And Dave Dombrowski even said the other day the, the three game series really scares him because it's just such a, a razor thin margin for error where, you know, not necessarily the best team is going to win. I think we saw that a year ago where the Phillies kind of found momentum in the ninth inning against St. Louis and carried it over the next day, and that was it, and the Cardinals were, were done. So I'm a little worried uh, about the Phillies starting pitching and especially the top of their rotation as we kind of watch Zach Wheeler and Aaron Ola try to find themselves over the course of the season. And perhaps my biggest worry right now, and I think this unit carried the Phillies for, for much of the first season, is the bullpen. And as great as the bullpen has been, you know, guys like Craig Kimbrell, Matt Strom had a lot of really good innings uh, to, to start the season. Jeff Hoffman, who, you know, kind of got tagged last night. He, he's still carrying the ERA at 3.06. Jose Alvarado should be back from the IL any day now. Um, you you kind of look up and down this bullpen. Gregory Soto, I, I think, is like fifth in the NL right now in, in holds. And he's only allowed uh, four of his 22 inherited runners to score. I worry about this bullpen holding up because not only did they pitch well to begin the season, but they pitched a lot of innings. I mean, Crank Kimbrell has 49 innings pitched this season with two months left to go in the, the, the year. And you, you look at his career, he hasn't thrown 60 innings since 2018 when he was with Boston. I mean, that that's 11 more starts. That's 11 more appearances for him as he has 51 appearances, 49 innings pitch, I, I just, I don't know if he's going to get to the point where where he's just exhausted. And maybe we're seeing that now. Maybe the Phillies need to, to kind of dial back his workload. But if that's the case, I don't know if there's necessarily someone on this roster right now who, who fits into that closer role. Never mind the fact that Craig Kimbrell had a dynamic light show last night as he came in. And, and I highly recommend finding it on, on YouTube as the Phillies played Welcome to the Jungle and the lights, you know, faded in and out and, you know, had a, a strobe effect. It was really, really, really cool. And you get goosebumps kind of watching that and, you know, hoping that we get to see it sometime in October. But you look up and down the rest of this bullpen until Jose Alvarado gets back. I don't know if there's necessarily a, a guy who can fit into that closer role. Sir Anthony Dominguez has really struggled to, to, to find himself. he got to save... Um, earlier uh, against Miami last week, but he just just doesn't really have, I don't think, a lot, a lot of confidence in his stuff. Hopefully he finds it, and he's someone who can kind of fade in and out like that. He really struggled toward the end of last year, and then he kind of found his stuff and, and was lights out through the postseason, much like Alvarado. But if you're dialing back Craig Kimbrell's innings to, to save him for the end of the season and the playoffs... I don't know who on this bullpen can can necessarily take over that role as closer, with the exception of maybe Alvarado, and you could certainly throw Dominguez in there, but I, I just don't have, you know, great confidence that, that he's gonna be the lights out guy that, that we kind of saw last year and maybe earlier in his career before he got Tommy John surgery. And that's something that I think that maybe is a, a little bit of an indictment on what Dave Dombrowski did. At the trade deadline, I mean, his his big acquisition, Michael Lorenzen, starts tonight after a fantastic eight-inning start in his debut last Thursday. But 
The fact that the Phillies didn't add anything to the bullpen worries me a little bit because I don't know what the cost would have been for for a guy who could you know maybe be a secondary closer who could come in and, and pitch high leverage moments in the the seventh and eighth and they certainly have depth even as you go down you know off the active roster down to the forty man roster someone like Andrew Bellotti who did take down innings last October Connor Brogdon who took down innings last October I mean they they have guys who are are decent depth pieces but. They don't have a legitimate closer. They don't have someone who could come in. And, you know, I'm not a fan of David Robertson. I, I just I didn't have a lot of confidence in him a year ago. I think he stinks. We saw what he did um, in his first couple appearances in Miami where he blew those two saves uh, against the Phillies. But someone kind of of that profile I, I really thought would have helped this team tremendously, would have eased the workload on guys like Kimbrell and Matt Strom. Who are, who are pitching, you know, career-high workloads, or at least in Kimbrell's case, you know, workload a workload that he hasn't seen since he was much younger in his career. I mean, this has been a resurgent season for the 35-year-old closer, and you, you have to wonder if maybe, you know, he's just kind of running out of juice as we barrel our way towards the end of August and, and into September. But I worry about this bullpen holding up, and, and I worry about this pitching staff as a whole. If you're not winning with your frontline guys, even though Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler combined their record right now, it's like 18 and 13. The Phillies are winning their starts, but you look at a team like the Braves, who I think is a team the Phillies are going to have to go through if they want to repeat as National League champs, and, and they certainly had no issues dispatching them a year ago, but the Braves right now, I mean, they're in a historic offense. They're 31 games over 500. they They've scored 633 runs. They have 215 home runs, you kind of think about how many Phillies have 20 home runs. The answer is one. It's Kyle Schwarber, who hit his 30th. The Braves have five guys with 30 home runs, including Matt Olson, who's one away from hitting 40. And, you know, that's not a matchup that's great for Aaron Nola, who's given up something like 24 or 25 home runs in his starts. You know, I just, I worry about the Phillies pitching matchup, matching up with Atlanta as we come come to the end of the season and into the postseason. But the the Phillies are, are back at it again tonight. Michael Lorenzen starting. Hopefully they can, you know, finish off this national series, take three out of four from a last place team and continue to, to just build on their wild card lead as we look ahead to the rest of sort of their, their easy schedule in the month of August. But but that'll do it for today's show. I'm Tucker Bagley. Joe Chilio. Might be back tomorrow, might be back Friday. Um, we'll, we'll certainly see how that plays out. But, you know, thank you for listening. We will talk to you again tomorrow.